The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. And a good evening to you. John Scholes here, John Pincus alongside answering all your questions. Uh, partner Sam Firu to Mark and LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in the country. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. John will answer those, of course, after the show, before the show, during the show, no problem. And then 1 855 821 5900, the number to reach after the show. Get a hold of John and his team. 1 855 821 5,900, but we'll start with the uh, the week that was, brother, before we get some phone calls and other content, which will be everything you need to know about constructive dismissal. We'll get into that, but uh, what's happening with you, pal? Well, it has been, uh, what a week it has been. I should say it has been busy, uh, busier than I, I think I can ever remember uh, with everything that is going on. A lot of sort of the straightforward things that would typically happen uh, with regular terminations. But on top of that, of course, we have so many people who are laid off, uh, people who have been uh, fired for noncompliance with the vaccine mandate, uh, in some cases for uh, reasons that don't make a whole lot of sense. So so I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that at some point today. But I wanted to talk about a few other situations that uh, our listeners may be able to relate to. So the first was an individual who was employed with a pharmacy for about 15 years. And recently she was faced with a terrible situation. What, what happened is her child actually had to be hospitalized. And so she had to take a leave of absence, of course, with very little notice uh, to care for her child. You know, she'd get a call from the school, your, your child's in the hospital for, so, for such and such reason. And of course, she rushes off and, and, and uh, texts her employer and says, this is why I have to go. Uh, thankfully, her son is okay uh, and has fully recovered. But as you can imagine, it was a scary few days. And making things worse is that during this time, she's receiving messages from her boss saying, I need you back to work. I have no one to fill in for you. And she's, and she's pleading with him, please, boss, I'm, you know, I'm with my child at the hospital. I need to be here with him. And she comes back to work. Um, and the day after she comes back, she's called into a meeting uh, with her boss, um, the owner. Uh, who asks her to explain her absence? She says, "Well, well, of course, you you know where I was. I was in the I was with my house with my child at the hospital," and and he asks her all kinds of absurd questions. You know, why didn't you give us advance notice? Why didn't you find someone to cover for you? You know, questions that clearly just don't make sense given the circumstances. But they fire her, and they allege just cause. And and there's so many problems here. Where to even begin? You know, for one thing. It is not just cause for dismissal because an employer cannot establish just cause for dismissal for non-culpable absences. An employer cannot withhold an employee's severance because they were there for because they were absent for non-culpable mm-hmm. reasons. And that's what this would be. It was not her fault. But it gets even worse because the employer has clearly terminated this employee because of her parental obligations, which is, of course, a big issue under the Ontario Human Rights Code, which protects family status. So we're going to be pursuing substantial compensation for this person. And and if any employers happen to be listening, you know, please don't do this. I'm sure the vast majority of employers have much more compassion uh, and common sense than this. But sometimes uh, employers get stressed out, uh, just like anyone else. Uh, they're human beings too. Uh, things happen, and but unfortunately, you just need to make do until that employee comes back. Even though it's difficult, that's your responsibility as an employer under the Human Rights Code. 
Got another matter to talk about. I know you do, John, but we'll uh, we'll flip over quickly to a phone call as the uh, priority is always, always there. Uh, Jewel, thanks for standing by. How are you? Uh, good, good. And it's a great show. Thank you. I've, I've been listening all the time, but I have a question. I don't have any problem currently, but this is a question that I always wonder that uh, as, as a lawyer, that you are doing this job uh, in your career. What is the maximum severance pay that you did it for your career? And based on how you measure that, is that time, number of years, or the, the incident that happened? So that that's an interesting question. Um, there there is what we, what we call a uh, a soft ceiling uh, for notice periods of uh, twenty four months, and certainly uh, I can think of at least one lawyer at our firm um, who has obtained uh, a severance award from a court of twenty four months pay for our clients, and that's typically reserved for people who are very very long service, um, and it also helps if that person has a higher up position, if that person is older, anything that's going to lead that person to potentially having more difficulty in the job market. That being said, um, there are some cases, if there are extenuating circumstances, if there are uh, special circumstances where uh, there have been awards of even 26 or 28 months pay, but those are those are very, very rare. Typically, uh, the top end of, of what an employee is going to receive is 24 months, and, that's re- and even that is reserved for really the, some of the most long-service employees. Thank you so much. Well, just let, let me know. Thanks. Uh, appreciate the call. John, you had something else you want to get through first before we move on to the uh, the topic at hand? I do. Now, this, this okay. second situation is a little convoluted, John, so bear with right. me, but it's, uh, it. it's an important one. So this second situation was an employee who'd been working for two condo corporations for the last 10 years as a security guard. And recently, for reasons that I won't get into, one of those condo corporations, uh, and it happened to be the one that this security guard spent the most time at, uh, went bankrupt. Uh, that's right, condo corporations can go bankrupt too. <laughs> so the second co- condo corporation uh, did not need the employee anymore. Uh, so they let him go at the same time. But nice. they let him go based on the income that he only earned with the second condo corporation, which wasn't very much because they compensated him on an hourly basis. And he had spent most of his time uh, on guard at, at the, uh, with respect to the condo owned by the first condo corporation. Now, what I was originally going to tell this employee was that he was out of luck with respect right. to his severance from the condo corporation that went bankrupt because he can't get blood from a stone. And you know, typically, if a corporation is bankrupt, that's, that's kind of the end of the story, unfortunately. Yeah. But that's when he shared with me some interesting facts. So he'd actually signed an employment agreement, the same employment agreement with both corporations together. He often, he often went back and forth between the two uh, condo corporations from one day to the next. He reported to the same person for both condo corporations, and the condo corporations were owned by the same family. So in this case, we actually have the ability to pursue both corporations for his full severance under what we call the common employer doctrine. And, and again, this is important because there certainly isn't going to be any compensation forthcoming uh, from the bankrupt company. So the idea is we'd pursue... Um, the one that that is not bankrupt. Uh, The lesson here is, of course, again, don't despair. Don't take what your employer is telling you at face value. There's often more to the story. And let's talk about it and see what we can do for you. All right. Everything you need to know about constructive dismissal. Going to start off with the obvious question. What is a constructive dismissal? Uh, Constructive dismissal is where an employer takes an action that's fundamentally inconsistent with what you signed up for, and they do it against your will. And when that happens, you can act as if 
the employment relationship is over, as if they have said your employment is over, and seek your severance. And the severance entitlement is the same severance entitlement you would have as if they terminated uh, your employment outright. Now, what's the classic example we use? Well, the classic example that we use is a demotion, right? Someone who's working uh, in a managerial position uh, and is no longer a manager or is going from a high-level managerial position to a very low-level managerial position. Uh, you've lost that uh, prestige. Uh, you've lost the respect of that position. You're now maybe uh, reporting to someone who used to report to you or someone who used to report to you as taking your job, that kind of thing. Um, that is something that can uh, very well be a constructive dismissal. But there's a, a lot of others, and uh, John and I can go through a few of them. Uh, another big one, of course, is reduction of pay. Uh, so if uh, all of a sudden they say, well, we're going to reduce your pay, depending on how much they have reduced your pay, that can be a constructive dismissal. One of another classic ones is a layoff, of course, dealing with a lot of that uh, since the COVID pandemic uh, started. We can have a, a change in working hours. So if you work the day shift for 10 years and all of a sudden they tell you to work, uh, uh, you know, the graveyard shift, that can be constructive dismissal. If they transfer you, right? If one day you're working in Toronto and the next uh, day they say you we, you got to work in Sault Ste. Marie, that's an extreme example, uh, but uh, there's others unpaid suspensions, uh, refusal to accommodate. So there's a whole bunch of things that can be constructed dismissal. But the key thing, and um, you know, this is going to be a, a, a probably a theme of what we're talking about, is don't do anything no. until you've spoken with one of us. And to do that, as we uh, get into our first break, you've got lots more on the way. You can reach out one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. I did mention the email address that is help at employmentlawyer.ca, but a website also you can use any time. And a lot of what we talk about here on the show is on the website in simple English. It's like Lego, really easy to navigate and read and learn as well. The severance pay calculator can all be found at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll continue the Monday night edition Employment Law Show news here global news radio you are listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of global news radio Welcome back to the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. And uh, welcome back indeed. Good to have you here. Just lining up a call or two, and we'll get them uh, on the air very shortly. In between that, the topic for the night, everything you need to know about constructive dismissal. Next point, next question. How do you know, John, if you've been constructively dismissed? Well, you really don't know until you've spoken with a lawyer. So right, that's right. the very first thing that you should do. Um, now, when do you know when to speak with a lawyer? Well, the first thing that you know you got to ask yourself is: is is my employer, is the company doing something against my will? Is this something that I signed up for? Uh, was this in my employment agreement? Has this ever happened before? Um, have you uh, have have how long have I been continuing to work? You know, if an employer made a change a year ago, uh, and you been working through that change and continue coming to work, then, well, you may have acquiesced to it. Whereas if it only happened a week ago, then there's probably something you can do about it if it's a constructive right. dismissal. But again, first thing to do is talk to us. Lawrence, thanks for standing by for a moment. How are you tonight? Oh, thanks for taking my call. Not bad. How are you? Beauty. What's uh, what's on your mind? Uh, well, I was hoping um, they could help me with a specific scenario that happened with my daughter. Uh, she, we went through a very traumatic experience 
with her experience, uh, with her going through some sexual violence. And um, I needed the time off to, um, you know, go to the police station and uh, visit a doctor and, and other sort of treatment that was uh, prescribed to her. And I approached uh, my employer to see if there was any sort of time off that I can take um, to do such. And I, I thought, you know, looking through Google, I saw that under the Employment Standards Act, I could take off time under something that's called domestic violence or, or something like that. And I approached my employer with that, but they basically told me that I would have to go through an accommodation process with the HR uh, for family status and that I couldn't take that leave of absence that I had reference from employment standards. And so they, they denied my request. And I'm just wondering if, if there's any sort of validity in my pursuit of, of what's there under the Employment Standards Act. Well, yes, absolutely. Uh, 49.7 of the Act does entitle an employee to take leave, not only if the employee experiences domestic or sexual violence, but if the child experiences sexual uh, violence. And uh, certainly what you have described, if they are really unwilling to allow you to take the leave, uh, that would be a violation of that section of the Employment Standards Act, um, and it would be uh, a violation of the Human Rights Code because this is a substantial parental obligation. So um, I, I think there, it is seriously problematic um, in terms of what they're uh, asking you, uh, you know, what, what they're preventing you from doing. Now, there is an obligation to cooperate on your end. I mean, you have to see if there's alternatives. But given the situation, I think it's very reasonable for you to be saying, I need to be there uh, with, with my daughter. Um, so I, I think it's very problematic. Um, and if they don't let you take the leave or they punish you as a result of that, then it's something we should talk about. Well, they let me take the leave, but it's unpaid, and they said that I have to go through that accommodation process request with their HR department. And it's not guaranteed I see. that I would be. Yep. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I see. Okay. Well, no, no, no. That's 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 important. So yes, if they're letting you take the leave and the leave is unpaid, then that that is in accordance with their with their um, obligations. They don't have to pay you through the leave. Uh, this isn't most leaves under the Employment Standards Act are unpaid. Um, so my only concern would be there if if there's um, first of all if they tell you that you are not able to uh, to come back, um, or if they. Um, if they reprise against you from going back. Now, one thing to understand here that's really important is that um, there are leaves under the Employment Standards Act, but they're not necessarily set in stone if you if you need a leave beyond what's in the Act. So the Act does say um, that you have, um, uh, you know, a certain amount of days, uh, you know, I think it's 10 days of leave uh, uh, under, under this section. But um, you, if you still have to... Um, be there for your daughter, and you can explain that to your employer. You you may have rights to take leave beyond that. So, um, my biggest advice that I can give to you is be in constant communication uh, with the company, uh, and that that can never hurt uh, to keep them apprised of uh, what you're doing and when you expect to be back. Okay, thank you for your help. Welcome. I appreciate uh, your time uh, tonight as well, Lawrence. Uh, you want to reach out any further to John? I'll give you the number. Here we are: one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. One eight five five eight two one. 
5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. And here and now, just like Lawrence, make that phone call. Doesn't take long to get a few answers, right? In the meantime, talking about everything you need to know about constructive dismissal. So I'm being harassed at work or, I don't know, the workplace has become toxic environment. Could that itself lead to a constructive dismissal? So a toxic work environment can be a constructive dismissal, uh, but the circumstances really need to be extreme because the way the law looks at this is they look at it objectively. Um, so you may be suffering a lot and, you're, and there's nothing uh, illegitimate about how much you're suffering, but unless uh, we can point to certain instances and say this is egregious because X, Y, and Z happened and uh, um, and, and the employer hasn't taken any action, then it's not going to be a constructive dismissal. And I will say that the majority of people who come to me with a poison work environment, in fact, tend not to have a constructive dismissal, but every so often there is that case. And usually, if you're being harassed at work, the first place you start is you go to the human resources manager. If you don't have a human resources manager, you go to the manager. If you don't have a manager, you go to the owner, right? You go to whoever is sort of the powers that be in the organization and allow that person to investigate, participate and cooperate with the investigation um, and then see what happens. If they uh, are not acting, there's an inadequate solution or they refuse uh, to deal with the situation, then we might be able to solve it, right? We usually right. use constructive dismissal as a last resort. Uh, usually when it puts your well-being in jeopardy, your health in jeopardy, you need to leave anyway. Um, but you should never start a constructive dismissal simply to seek money. You you do it because the job that you had effectively doesn't exist anymore or you just cannot be there anymore. It's just impossible for you to stay. And if you're leaving, that's when we pursue a constructive dismissal. But we may be able to intervene and get the company to take action so that you can stay in your job. And isn't that really the best solution, right, if we can yeah. do that? Yeah. Can one get severance if they are constructively dismissed? Well, yes. If you are constructively dismissed, if you've gone to that point of last resort, we've had that discussion and it's clear that it's just not reasonable uh, to ask you to stay in that job, then your severance entitlements uh, would be the same as everyone else's. You can find that at severancepaycalculator.com. You can find that at the pocket employment lawyer. We're going to look at your age, your position, your length of service. We're going to see if you have any employment agreement that interferes with that. And we're going to do the same analysis we always do. So you could have significant entitlements for constructive dismissal. It is the same entitlement they have if your employment terminates you without cost. So if I decide to continue working after a negative change in my job, What's the ramifications of that? Well, it really depends, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the key thing here is, are you working? I mean, if you're if you're on a layoff, uh, then you're not working. And it's, in my view, very, very difficult for an employer to argue at that point that you're acquiesced to the change because you're not there to acquiesce to it. But there is right. this concept of acquiescence that comes into play for certain types of constructive dismissal. The big ones uh, being changes in hours, uh, transfers. You know, if you've been a geographic transfer and you work there for three months and say, ah, oh, you know what, this is not really working out. I don't really like this commute. You may have an issue. Same thing with a demotion. You say, yeah, you know what, I, I thought a year ago, I thought this demotion was, was not going to be a big change, but actually it is a big change. That can be a problem too because if you agree to this change and you continue working in that position they continue right. to pay you you come to work every day well then that's kind of becoming the new term of your employment that's becoming the new status quo and if it becomes a new status quo then uh, then they can do not only can they do that but they may be able to do it again right they may be able to move you again or change your hours again and it's going to be all the more difficult to object to it next time. So that's why when this happens, you've got to act on it quickly. You've got to give us a call quickly.
Reaching out to John again, one 821 help at employmentlawyer.ca. Kathy, thank you for hanging on for a moment. Good evening. How are you? Good. And yourself? Great. What's on your mind? Um, I just had a quick question. So I, since COVID, everything has changed. I was working day shifts all through the week, getting substantial hours. Um, through this time, I then went on sick leave. When returning back to work, they then cut my hours, changed my shift, put me on evenings and weekends strictly when wanting to get that changed. Um, they said that there was nothing that they could do for me. And they didn't give me any other options. So I was okay. just wondering, do I have a leg to stand on there? You you might. You know, you, you raise a really um, important point, Kathy, which is which is changes that have been enacted for the purpose of, you know, dealing with COVID-19. And what I think these cases come back to, and what I think your case is going to come to is, is this a temporary change, right? I mean, if it's a change that's going to take place for a couple weeks, even a couple months, maybe a few months, then that probably will not be a constructive dismissal. But if it's an indefinite change and they just say, look, this is just the way it's got to be for the foreseeable future, uh, and you've had that discussion, then it very well could be a constructive dismissal because that's now a permanent change they're imposing to your employment. So I guess that leads me to the question, you, have you had that discussion with them about whether this is going to be long-term or short-term? Constant argument um, in regards to that because my location did close because of COVID. So my base location did close because of COVID and I have been placed elsewhere for the time being. Now, if my location is going to reopen, that is up in the air. Nobody has answers. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just kind of stuck in limbo right now. Right, right. No, I I, I agree. Um, It's a really tricky situation to be in. I think the first thing that you have to ask yourself in a situation, this is what I always tell people to to think about when they're in this situation is, do you want to stay with this employer? You know, it sounds like an obvious question, but a lot of times we, we, we kind of gloss over this, which is, you know, what do you really want to do? Do you forget about severance, forget about compensation? I think you need to take some, some time to think about, you know, based on how long, I don't know how long you've been with this company, but it's a big decision to make. And once you've decided, yeah. you know what, pardon? Sorry. No, 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 that's fine. So I was just going to say, once you've once you've made that decision, um, it's at that point that I think we could definitely explore this being a constructive dismissal. And, and certainly a, a change in hours, a change in shifts, uh, going from regular day shifts to evening, evenings and weekends. Um, these are the things that constructive dismissal cases are made of. So that could be a change, but uh, that, that is a constructive dismissal. But before you take any action... Think about that. Think about whether you want to stay with this organization. And, you know, within the next week or so, I w- so I wouldn't wait too long. Uh, give us a call so we can we can talk about it and maybe pursue severance for you. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for your time, Kathy. Here's how you're uh, you're going to do that to follow up. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca to get hold of John and his uh, and his team. We were talking about constructive dismissal in between the phone calls. We'll continue to do so. And you know, I think if I've been constructively dismissed, John, I'm almost positive. So should I quit now and then seek severance pay, or just uh, hold your horses there, champ, and, and deal with you instead? Let you do it. 
That's right. Hold your horses. Um, you know, and that, and this is, uh, you know, Kathy's call was very timely uh, yep, because that, that is exactly the issue. Right. And she, and she did the right thing. You know, you, that she's, she's thinking about it. She hasn't acted yet. And, and, and hopefully if she is going to con- contemplate uh, constructive dismissal, she'll speak with, with one of us or an employment lawyer before she starts. Because if you don't speak with an employment lawyer and you leave your job and that turns out not to be constructive dismissal, well, now Oops. you've just resigned. Right now, you've just resigned. Now you've given up your your service, your severance. Uh, you may not be entitled to employment insurance even. Uh, so really think about it because it may not be a constructive dismissal, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's no action we can take. And part of the things that I do with clients is if it's not a constructive dismissal, let's brainstorm what other action we can take. Let's make an action plan for you to either uh, fix the situation or put in place the steps that if the situation doesn't improve, it may become a constructive dismissal down the line. Um, but the way you leave, when you leave, and if you leave um, is a, are all questions that should be discussed with an employment lawyer. Get to an email in between uh, topics here, and it comes from uh, from Jackie. It says, my employer wants me to sign a new employment agreement, and they say, if I don't sign, I'm fired. Can they do that? Well, short answer, yes, they can fire you, uh, but they will have to pay you severance because an employer cannot fire you for not consenting to a new term of employment. Now, likely that employer wants you to sign something because there's terms in that employment agreement that help them. But if you don't agree to that and you're okay to lose your job and as long as you get severance, then you don't have to sign it. Again, help at employmentlawyer.ca is the way you uh, send an email along. Brandon says, hey, John, I was just fired for cause. The reason is because I had to fill out a form and I was rushed, so I wrote my manager's signature for her. They accused me of forgery and fraud, which I think is hyperbole. Uh, What are my rights? Well, unfortunately, probably not many uh, in this situation. Um, That sounds like a a situation where uh, you've engaged in in what I think the law would deem would be misconduct and would probably treat that as insubordination. Now, perhaps there's other context here, but based on what you've said, probably not entitled to severance, which, you know, leads me to the the point that we always tell people, you know, if you want us to help uh, when you're terminated for cause, the best thing you can do, don't engage in misconduct. Yeah, exactly, right? Uh, I want to talk <laughs> about a few obvious. of these points. Yeah, don't, just don't do it. Uh, a few of these things want to get through these. Uh, things your employer won't tell you. Number one, you are likely owed more severance than you were offered. No, they're not going to tell you that. No. No, no, they're um, they're not going to tell you that because uh, uh, over uh, 90% of the offers that I see um, are inadequate and uh, not being offered uh, uh, something out of the, uh, of the goodness of your heart. Um, uh, they're not offering it to you out of, out of the goodness of their heart. They're offering it to you uh, because they want you to sign a release. Uh, and, you know, if they have 10 employees and only one of them uh, challenges it, um, then um, they're going to save a lot of money. So just keep yeah. that in mind uh, when you're getting a severance package. Go on the severance pay calculator and uh, and figure it out. Number two, how a maternity leave affects your job. They won't tell you that either. No, you have a right to a, com- a, a comparable job uh, when you uh, when you go back uh, or your job if it still exists. Uh, the other thing that uh, happens when you're on a maternity leave is you cannot be asked to complete work. Uh, you know, and a lot of remote work has bled to confusion here. They say, well, you know, we sent them emails before and they're, they're just sticking. They were home then. So they're home now. So what's the <laughs> difference? Uh, and the difference here um, is that um, if you're on a maternity leave, you have a right to a job 
uh, protected leave. Uh, so you that means that you can't be asked to do work during that leave. And if you are asked to do work, you can say, well, no, I can't do work right now. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on a leave. I'm on, a, and the same applies, by the way, for parental leave, uh, whether it's you know, you know, it's a, a woman or a man. And if you're the other thing that uh, a lot of uh, employers will not uh, disclose is that if your employment is terminated when you go on a leave, uh, the severance entitlement is going to be higher. And in fact, there there was a recent case that spoke to that where uh, the employee received a greater amount of severance because. Um, uh, because the severance entitlement, uh, or uh, because they were um, pregnant at the time of termination. Wow! Wow! Yeah, don't don't mess with mama is what we've always said. Don't mess with mama. Last, yeah, last ten years. Uh, another thing, your employer won't tell you. You're really not an independent contractor. Gosh, how many times have we right. get this call? That's yeah, yeah, that's a big one. Uh, your employer um, will never tell you if they're paying you as an independent contractor that actually you're not a really an independent contractor. And in many cases, the employer does not know uh, that you're right. not an independent contractor. They may think, well, uh, you know, we this is, we just have to pay them uh, uh, HST and not make any deductions at source and. Boom, there you go. Uh, no more independent contractor. And that's that's really not the end of the story here. I mean, what this what this comes down to is who are you in uh, in business for? Are you in business for yourself or are you in business for the company? Uh, do you go in uh, nine to five and work for the company? Do you, you know, are, are you are you driving around with their with their logo on, on your car? Um, are yeah. you using their email? Are you using your own tools? Are you using their tools? Um, are, are you gaining a profit from this? And are they controlling you? But if you are really in business for them and you're not in business for yourself, uh, you may have a little bit more freedom. You may have a flexible work arrangement, but you're really in business for them. Then you're going to receive the exact same severance as everyone else. So why would a business say you're an independent contractor? I guess it would be for all the things you mentioned above. They don't have to pay you, uh, you know, ER, EI or they don't have to pay you benefits, so on and so forth. And they could just kick you to the curb if they decide to let you go. I mean, if it was that simple, then no company in the planet would ever hire people, correct? That's right. An I mean, if you really are an independent contractor, then there's quite a few less rights that you have. You don't have the same yeah. right to severance. You don't have rights to employment standards. Employers don't have to pay certain things such as employer health tax and various remittances. So the employer is going to save money. Um, you may save money in the process too, but you have to ask yourself, you know, do you really want to be paid in, a, in an illegal way? And so if you're being offered an independent contractor agreement and it really doesn't seem like an independent arrangement, then Think about whether that's something you should be signing. Yeah, let your spidey sense take over in that regard. Uh, you only, or at least you get overtime if you are on salary. How about that one? Yeah, this is a big misconception, not just from yeah. employers, but employees too. A lot of employees think, well, you know, I had to work 60 hours, but what can I do? They don't pay me by the hour. Uh, and, and that's just not how the employment standards works, right? There, There is no exemption uh, for salaried employees, just like hourly employees, a salaried employee is going to be entitled to premium pay once they have passed the threshold. And the general threshold for most employees in Ontario is 44 hours per week. So you may ask the question, well, how, how do we calculate that? I mean, right. I, I work I work all these hours. Sometimes I work 40 hours, sometimes I work 42 hours or 38 hours, but I get paid the same thing every week. So how do we calculate the hourly rate? And actually what we do is we take your salary, 
we convert it into 44 hours per week. And then we, you know, we divide it by 44 hours per week. And then we multiply how many hours you've worked above that at a rate of 1.5 to determine your overtime. So there is a way to do it. You don't lose the right to overtime because you're a salaried employee. You can lose it because you're a manager or you're an IT professional and, you know, various other professionals don't have a right to overtime. But one of the exemptions is not sal- being salaried employee. Your employer won't tell you if the business is sold, you don't have to accept a job with the buyer. Break that down for me. Well, you know, this is a complicated issue because it's true. You don't have to accept a job with a buyer. And interestingly enough, going back to our last topic, if the business is sold, that's technically, and, and, and you're you know told to work for the new buyer, that's technically a constructive dismissal, which is a little bit strange, but that's how the law looks at it. Um, but this is complicated because if you don't accept a job with the buyer and they've offered you the same job, right. it could have a significant, significant impact on your severance. Because in that case, you'll still have entitlements to severance if you don't take the job, but you may only get your minimum severance entitlements uh, in that uh, in that case. So you really have to look at, is the job that is being offered to you comparable? Is it something, that, are you being paid half the salary? Um, is it a much lower role with prestige? It's, it's very similar to the constructive dismissal analysis is it yeah. reasonable to expect you to work in that job um, but you know while you're doing this one of the things that's really important to know is if your previous employer the the uh, the one who sold the business is asking you to sign a release well not so fast wait until you 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 work at this new employer and you got to see if that new job works out because if it doesn't you may want to go after your old your your uh, old employer Let's get down to a, an email to wrap it up here today or tonight. Ryan says, hey, guys, I've been working from home for the last 20 months, and now my employer says I have to be vaccinated to keep my job. I work in tech. Do I have the right to severance? Well, you know what? This is one of those cases where I think it's going to be very difficult for an employer to justify themselves. You know, this is someone, presumably, you've you've been doing okay working from home for the last 20 months, so it really raises the question, what is the reason the employer cannot continue that arrangement in lieu of a vaccination requirement? So I, I think that uh, in this case, if you want to pursue your severance, it's absolutely something we should talk about. Give us a call and let's talk about how we can we can do that for you. And with that, we will wrap it up for another evening. We want to reach out to John and his uh, his team. Uh, again, partner Sam Firu to Market LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in the country. Phone number, but given that out. 1-855-821-5900. Email we use, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And anytime you need uh, employment law advice, even before the phone call, you don't even have to pick up a phone yet. Just use your tablet, your desktop, uh, your laptop, whatever you got with you, smartphone, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Rolled into that is a severance pay calculator as well and tons of free information, always anonymous. We'll catch you Wednesday night back here with the Employment Law Show, but don't go anywhere. We're going to stick around, and you are as well. On Point, Alex Pearson returns right here, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio.